Welcome to the Absent Father Podcast, a weekly conversation where we discuss the impacts in all areas of our life of growing up with an absent father, how to overcome them, and the superpowers we create along the way. I'm your host, Rodney Miller, executive coach, MBA, and son of an absent father. You can learn more about me and get in touch by visiting www.rodneymuller.com. We got greatness by choice. We got gravity by chance. Welcome to another episode of the Absent Father podcast. Again, I'm your host, Rodney Miller. Excited to be with you again and very excited for this next episode. So this is kind of a second installment of our superpowers. Uh, One of the things I was thinking about as I was preparing for uh, today's episode is uh, I noticed that about 80% of my initial episodes are about the traits and the the challenges. Um, And that's about right, because I think for... uh, you know, someone who grew up with an absent father, it's much easier for us to see our gaps uh, and to see what uh, what our challenges are than it is to see what's great about us. Um, and so, you know, I'm still in a process. Uh, hopefully, one day we will see all of the superpowers that result uh, from our experience and keep the focus there. Um, and so you have my commitment that, you know, I'll continue to focus on what are our superpowers? Um, and they're all there. I think it's just getting present to them and owning them uh, and and moving through the pain and the healing and the forgiveness to get to a place where uh, we can really leverage those superpowers. But the superpower I want to talk about today is about leadership. And I want to start with a story that to me... Uh, was a big deal in my life. It was a, a turning point in my life. And I think it also really illustrates why people who grew up with an absent or distant father make extraordinary leaders. So in April of 2003, uh, I had been in the Army Reserve for uh, a, just under five years, about four years and a few months. And in February of that year, I was promoted to E6 Staff Sergeant, uh, which was a really big deal. I was only 21 years old and thus one of the youngest to be promoted to that rank in the, in the Army. And as you might recall, around this time uh, in March of 2003, uh, the war in Iraq was just beginning. We were just uh, launching uh, the shock and awe campaign. And uh, at this time, I was, I was part of a uh, biological detection unit, uh, basically uh, a platoon, uh, which is about 60 people. And our mission was uh, brand new. We had this brand new piece of equipment that was the state-of-the-art uh, biological detection unit in the world. And essentially, it was a Humvee with a sort of mobile laboratory on the back that kind of sniffed the air, analyzed the air, and determined if there was a biological agent in the air, like anthrax or smallpox or a host of many other biological agents. So uh, a few months after the uh, shock and awe campaign started in Iraq, uh, 
our unit got the call, which was pretty predictable given that we were one of the only biological detection units uh, in the entire army. Uh, we got the call to mobilize and be called to active duty. We were uh, supposed to be on two years of active duty. So this was very significant. I was a junior in college at the time. I was 21 years old. I was an E6, which is uh, essentially one rank lower than the highest you would be in a platoon, uh, except for the platoon leader or officer, uh, which meant that I was going to be a team leader for this upcoming mobilization. Um, and what that meant is I was going to be in charge of a team of three other soldiers. Uh, the way that this unit worked is that we were uh, mobilized as a team to remote locations to monitor for biological detection. So it was a really big deal. And if I'm honest with myself at 21, thinking about being a team leader and going to war, of course, of which I had no idea what that meant. Um, I was pretty nervous. I was um, mostly nervous about whether or not I could be the kind of leader that uh, was worthy of the people that I was serving. Now, on top of the fact that I was a very young and new E6 staff sergeant, the team that I would be leading, that I would be responsible for, consisted of uh, the E5 on my team, sergeant, was uh, in his late 30s. I'm 21. The E4 specialist in the unit was in his late 20s, which doesn't sound that old, but when you're 21, you know, late 20s is pretty old. And the uh, lowest in rank on my team was a brand new private E1 who was a small business owner from uh, southeast Missouri who uh, was a great guy and decided to join because uh, out of sheer patriotism. And so he was in his early 30s. So there I am, a 21-year-old, uh, E6, in charge of this group of people that are at least eight years, seven to eight years older than me, uh, and that I outrank. So you can imagine uh, being in that situation, maybe some of you have been in that situation where, you know, why are these people going to listen to me? Um, how do I work with them? They're all so different. Uh, how do I engage this uh, E5 sergeant with many more years of experience and much older than me? And I really didn't know, but somewhere along the way, when we got called to active duty, uh, we ended up shipping away to uh, Fort McClellan, Alabama to get trained uh, and ultimately get certified that we were ready to, to deploy. Uh, somewhere in that early bit of time, I realized that actually I was the right one to be leading here. And... What was really amazing is that I tapped into these three superhero traits that I think are directly related to uh, the way that I was raised and the sort of heartbreak and uh, superpowers that came out of having an absent father. So the three things that I think make men and women who grew up with an absent or distant father that make them extraordinary as leaders, if we can get there, is number one, we have an unmatched 
insatiable sense of duty and commitment. We have the ability to endure tremendous suffering in the name of something that we're committed to. We will run the hardest. We will work the hardest. We will give it everything until the commitment is met. Number two is we have a deep understanding of people. Uh, We understand people at a basic level. Number three, we are excellent at being of service to others and looking at how to create workable relationships, how to move people around a common purpose, or how to keep people in harmony so that we can achieve whatever we're up to. And obviously, those three things were critical and are critical as a leader. So in this case, we're in Fort McClellan, Alabama, and we're in a very stressful experience. Uh, Although we didn't end up uh, mobilizing overseas, we were uh, quite sure that in this moment, what we were preparing for were the last three to four weeks that we would be in the United States uh, for the next two years. Um, And so not only was that on our minds, we had left our families, we had said all of our goodbyes, uh, people had left their wives and their girlfriends uh, and their husbands and their boyfriends and their children. And not only was that sort of stress of the change in our life present, but also we were like looking at how to get our mission right. We were learning a new piece of equipment. We were learning a new type of uh, uh, mission. And we were worried about what it might mean to be in a war. And so in the face of all that, I was very clear. And one of the things I've always loved about the Army is the clarity around the mission, the clarity around the commitment. And when I was coming from that place, it really allowed these superpowers, these superpower traits of mine to emerge. Um, I was able to think about all three of these unique individuals that had joined the army for different reasons, that were in different parts of life, that had different styles and different elements that would uh, make them work together and make them uh, happy and use the best of them in this difficult experience. So that part about really understanding them and being able to look at what would best serve them, what would best serve our team, on top of the fact that they never had to question how hard I was going to work. I was always going to take the hardest shift. I was always going to lead by example the best that I could. And I don't think anybody would say that I was perfect as a leader, and I certainly had a lot more to learn because I was 21. But what they would say is that we were an extraordinary team, and I think to this day any one of them would would be willing to be led by me, which is one of the greatest compliments to my life. And in our team, uh, we were number one in our group, in our platoon of... Uh, uh, the different markers that we were measuring for our what they called initial operating capabilities, which is essentially how how they measure our capableness or capability for for the war. And that was 
an extraordinary experience. I said it was a turning point in my life because it gave me not only the the deep passion for what it is to be a leader, but also the confidence and the belief in myself that even if I was 21 and I had this uh, awesome group of people to lead, but you know, so 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 many different backgrounds and challenges that even in that scenario, I was a capable leader. And that forever changed the trajectory for me because I was given that opportunity at such a young age and I excelled at that opportunity and I was like dying to get back to being a leader. Uh, And then, of course, we finish our mobilization uh, in September of 2003. Uh, I go back to college, so I'm a senior in college and graduate college and then I get into the workforce and, of course, uh, I can't find out a way to translate and to be uh, a leader with that level of responsibility in the civilian world. Uh, So it took me a few more years to get back to that. But that experience and that that giving of confidence to myself really changed the course of my life and the trajectory that I would take. And I hope as you're listening to this, whether you had an experience like that in a direct leadership role, or you just notice that you're the kind of person that has these superpowers. I know that they are in you because I've talked to you. I've talked to hundreds of you. And you have this superpower side, this like, when it, when you're present to the purpose and the commitment of something, uh, you are insatiable. You are unstoppable at being for that thing. And having this understanding of people because you understand yourself and you've had to look in the background of human beings and try to deconstruct success and what makes people work. You have those superpowers. So where did it come from? Where did the superpowers come from? So I want to share a little bit about that, you know, and how it ties back into, you know, specifically my story, but I think your story too. And with that, I also want to talk about one of the challenges of, of coming to our superpowers in this way about leadership particularly. So when I think about where it came from, and I'd never thought about this until later in life when I started to run into some challenges. So as I found myself in leadership positions, I noticed that there was a gap uh, And there was something in the way of me moving from this leadership role where I was just in charge of a few people to being a leader of other leaders, which also meant being in relationship with leaders above me. And what I started to notice is that, you know, I loved leaders that were, um, that I could see from afar that I thought were, you know, I just could sense because we have that ability. I could sense that, wow, that's, that's a leader that leads by example that's a leader that's leading for the right reasons. Uh, that's a leader that does the right thing for their people. Essentially, what I was saying is, wow, that leader is perfect. The problem was, the closer I got, and relationships with your leaders is essential to being a leader. So the closer that I would get, 
the more I would start to notice the things that weren't perfect about them. To which I thought, in a very, uh, very limited experience way, in a, you know, not a way that I was happy with. You might notice yourself in it, but I was like, well, there's another leader that isn't perfect. So I should be that leader. And the problem was that that energy wasn't really the way of being a leader. Didn't feel good to me. I know it didn't feel good to others. And it kept me from being in relationship with my leaders. And if you're not in relationship with your leaders, it's very difficult to move forward. So there's two things that I want to share about this. Number one, where did my superhero powers come from? And number two, why was I having such a difficult time uh, being in relationship with my leaders and thus enhancing my own leadership, my ability to grow as a leader? So number one, where did it come from? Where did this super power gift of seeing leadership come from? And like I said, as I got older and I started to investigate more of my leadership, one of the things that I noticed was that in the absence of a father, and I believe that the father represents an aspect of leadership. So how our father is often mirrors how we do leadership. And we could either do it like them or we can do the, the opposite of them. So for me, in the absence of a leader, uh, in the absence of a father, I somehow, some way, created the perfect image of what a leader should be, similar to how I created the perfect image of what a dad should be. And it left me searching for that kind of leader, that kind of dad my whole life. And this leads into the second piece of this, which is, you know, why it became difficult to be in relationship the closer that I got to a leader or a mentor was that I was looking for perfection in a, in a leader because if they were perfect, maybe they'd be worthy of my trust. Maybe they wouldn't abandon me if they knew me. And so it was a very classic way to protect myself, look for a perfect leader and try to seek the perfect person. And that way, uh, just maybe if they were perfect and they were perfect all the time, completely trustworthy, high integrity, you know, every possible thing, maybe, just maybe, uh, I could trust them and they wouldn't let me down. The problem, of course, was that all leaders, all of them, are human beings. And that means that even if they're the most extraordinary leader you have ever seen, they still aren't perfect. And the closer you get, the more relationship that you create, the more that you see their humanity. And so that was really difficult and really was in my way of progressing as a leader because you can't be an extraordinary leader without being in relationship with other leaders. The other thing is that uh, it forced me 
to compare myself. I didn't realize, you know, I was seeking this outside of me, this perfect leader, but I was also always comparing myself to what a perfect leader should be, uh, what a perfect person should be. And of course, I could never measure up to that, but it didn't keep me from striving. And so I want to wrap it up here because this superpower is extraordinary and people who grew up with an absent or distant father absolutely have this innate um, gift and superpower to become a great leader. The challenge is, is that it's both a gift and a curse because you are aware of what perfection as a leader looks like in any scenario. You can sense it out. You can sense it out from a mile away. The curse is that we have to learn to let go of the perfection for ourselves and for others because it's a fantasy. And it's mostly a fantasy uh, that we created to keep us safe. And the, the biggest challenge about that is that it keeps us from having relationship, real relationship with ourself and with others. And leadership at its core is about relationship. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll leave it here for today. Again, you've been listening to the Absent Father podcast. My name again is Rodney Miller. You can reach out to me at me at rodneymuller.com. Please continue to share. I've been so moved by some of the folks that have reached out and rate and review on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you're listening to the podcast. It helps get into the hands of people that need it. Until next time.